You are listening to episode 18 of The STEM Space. Natasha and I are continuing our discussion on failure and how you can help your students fail forward. You don't want to miss this one as you will hear how I failed last week's assignment. Welcome to The STEM Space, hosted by Vivify co-founders Claire and Natasha. Two aerospace engineers turned educators, sharing our passion for all things STEM. Check us out at vivifystem.com. So I did it. I failed. How did it go? What did you fail at? I have so many questions. I know. And I have a lot to say because it, this was a really hard assignment. I mean, I know you experienced it, but there really was this philosophical kind of battle that I went through and figuring out, well, what is failure and how do I know if I'm actually failing? Am I trying to fail? Does that defeat the purpose? <laughs> so then do I succeed if I succeed at failing? So yeah, really difficult. So actually, I kind of want to back up and talk about maybe what the assignment should have been. Okay. <laughs> Can Let's I redefine the, the problem there? Okay. So I think there needs to be some solid constraints when you're talking about trying to fail. Right. And if we can bring the third chair, our listeners in for a minute last week, if you've not listened to that show, make sure and go back and listen to it. Cause this is a follow-up of that where Natasha had an assignment from grad school and your assignment was to fail at something, right? Yep. And I really struggled with it. <laughs> yeah. And why, why is that important to fail? Why were you being told to fail? Well, we talk about failure in the engineering design process a lot and how students need to fail forward. But as educators, sometimes we forget that anxiety that comes with failure. And so it helps us empathize with our students for us to step back and experience a little failure. It's meant to be fun. (laughs) It's not an extreme assignment. So I am really curious to hear what you ended up doing. But it's those feelings of failure and what it means to fail helps us better understand our students and then to better support them through that process. Yeah. And that is so important. And I'd never thought about doing that before. Because when was the last time that you truly failed at something? I mean, we, I do things all the time that I screw up, right? <laughs> right. Cooking, but to yeah. actually <laughs> put myself out there in a vulnerable position that's failing. Because I'll fail at like cooking or fail to like get up at the right time. This morning I slept through my alarm. So Me too. small <laughs> failures. You do. I did. This cold weather. Yeah. I got up at 7.08 and I was like, ah, I got to get my kids to school, (laughs) pack lunches and all that. So I felt like a failure this morning, but I think this is kind of different because we want to put ourselves in our students' shoes Mm -hmm. and what they experience when they come into our classroom. So this assignment was frustrating because it needed some constraints and that's how we're wired as engineers and how we're trying to wire our students is... (laughs) You know, how do you fit within these rules and these boundaries to actually know if you succeeded or not? So I came up with three constraints that I think is important when you're trying to fail. Okay. What do you (laughs) got? That makes sense. Okay. So one, the object of your pursuit must be clearly defined and measurable. Mm. So for example, I will swoosh a basket with a basketball from half court. Not like I'll make a sculpture out of tofu. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's what your professor did, but I was like, well, how do you know if you failed? Right. So it needs to be measurable. I I mean, I thought her statue was actually pretty good. Yes, we posted the picture. 
Mm -hmm. Yep. So on the last show notes, we have the photo and I was like, was that really failure? Because I was kind of impressed. And she said that was part of the process of what failure means to you. So I think this just really shows how you think through this problem. So keep going. I'm fascinated. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cause I feel like anything that has to do with art is a little bit too subjective to actually fail at it. Yeah. Unless it has a functioning part, like maybe origami or something like that. Maybe you could fail. Did I tell you about the student who wanted to fold a piece of paper 10 times in half? (laughs) (laughs) That was what he did. So it was very defined. He just took a sheet of paper and said, I will attempt to fold this in half 10 times. And at seven, it was impossible to continue. So he failed. Okay. You know, that, that works. That works. Yeah. (laughs) That's clearly defined and measurable. So that, that would pass. Okay. Constraint number two is the goal must be actually attainable in general, as well as in a specific time frame. So you can't say that you will fail at being six feet tall when you're a five foot tall adult <laughs> like I am, because yes, that is intrinsically impossible for me to grow. <laughs> yep. And you can't say that you want to be a licensed scuba diver in one day when you have no access to instruction or anywhere where you could train. So that is not attainable in a lifetime or in a specific amount of time. So I think time constraint is important. And then three, something that I realize is more important for this assignment and being able to relate to our students and empathize with them is that there must be a social element to what we're mm, trying to fail at. That's good. Mm. That's good. Cause if no one's there to keep you accountable, you really don't have that pressure to succeed. Cause it's like, well, I'll try this. I'll fail. Oh, so what, you know? Exactly. Right. And we had that social element cause we had to post our failure. And so we yes. had a group discussion board and I had to post the map of my game that I played, which I talked about in the last episode was web diplomacy. And I had mm-hmm. to had this army to take over and I failed, but then I had to post the map of my failure. So that's a great point. Yeah. Perfect. So I actually did something every day this week to fail. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) You took this to the next level. I'm an overachiever. So yes, this is why it was such a big struggle for me. was good. So these constraints kind of came up over time as I was trying out things and being like, well, did this really count and why? So the first thing I did was I actually went to this group meeting to make succulent pumpkins. Okay. Hmm. So there's like, you know, all these women and we're all like tasked with doing this thing that was an art project. This is why I figured, well, this is kind of subjective. So I don't know if I can fail. I'm not good at decorating stuff. So I knew this would be a challenge for me. So I'll post a picture of what, and you can can be the judge. I'll be the judge. (laughs) So I don't, I didn't really fail. There was that social expectation because you're comparing yourself to everybody else who's making their succulent pumpkin, which is just a pumpkin. And then you glue succulents and moss to it to make it look, you know what I'm talking about? Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's like a bouquet on a pumpkin. I don't have succulents. Yeah. (laughs) I can see why you struggled with that. Not knowing if it was failure. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything truly defined in whether it was a success or failure. So I don't know if that really could count. Okay. So the second day, I decided, well, okay, I like that social element. That's important. I think that needs to be part of it. There needs to be a clearly defined measure of success. Did I succeed or did I fail? Mm -hmm. So 
my makerspace has been cleaned out already this year. Students go through wow. so much of the supplies. The biggest thing that I go through is, of course, tape. So I ran up to Walmart and I got a big handful of masking tape and was like, you know what? This is being paid for out of my pocket. I wonder if Walmart would donate it. So I decided that my assignment to succeed or fail would be just to go and ask a manager, hey, I have a stack of masking tape and I'm a STEM teacher at a local school. Will you donate it? So I asked. I love that. Yeah. And so they said, what happened? They said, yes. And so I got oh, free masking didn't tape. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fail, but I was, was not really upset about that one. That That's was amazing. Really good, I was really excited. So wow. now, yeah, I'm going to ask Walmart more often because the worst thing that could happen is they say no. I was really nervous about it though. I don't know why, because they could just say no and I'd be doing right. what I was came in for, but um, actually, okay, let's pause there. Cause that's a yeah. good tip for teachers. So you need a tape mm-hmm. and you went to the manager and just explained your situation and what was their reaction? Yeah. All I said is I am a local teacher. We go through a lot of tape in my STEM lab. Would you consider donating this tape to our classroom? And they looked at me and said, well, let me go check. They had to ask somebody. I don't, I don't know who the person was. There's a specific manager they had to ask. Mm. And then they just came back and said, yeah, And then they scanned it with some special scanner and then said, here you go. And I just walked out with five rolls of masking tape. So Wow. That's amazing. We should challenge our teachers to all do that and go to Walmart or local store and get some free tape. That's right. Just ask. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great tip, but I didn't fail. (laughs) All right. So then what's next? I'm waiting for the failure, the real failure. I'm, I'm getting there. (laughs) Okay. So then I started asking people like, what should I do? I guess, let me back up. I did do one other thing because I was still on this like social element because I think that gives the most anxiety to a lot of my students is seeing their other peers succeed and them not. Mm. So then I went to this gathering of adults that were playing minute to win it games. And I really put myself out there on one. Oh boy. (laughs) and thankfully, hopefully there's no videos out there of this, but <laughs> what, you, what you had to do was there were five women that had to compete together and we had these tissue boxes, like the cube tissue boxes that mm-hmm. were empty and they put fake fall leaves in them. And then you had to tie it to your waist where the tissue box, the opening was perpendicular to your body. So it's sticking out straight. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you had a tail, that's where it would come out. Got it. (laughs) So you had to tie it to your waist and then they started playing music and you had to do whatever you could to shake the leaves out of the tissue box first. Okay. So as you can imagine, (laughs) there were some extreme dance moves going on. Yes. And that was like five days ago and I'm still sore. Oh my gosh. I won the first round. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And you did. then I went up against my mother-in-law and she beat me. Oh. So <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yes. So I did fail. And and the reason why I thought this was important in understanding this failure is that not only was there social pressure, but you look absolutely ridiculous unless you win. If you win, then they're like, hey, you looked ridiculous, but you came out with the win, right? Because there was a prize. But if you don't win, like you just looked absolutely ridiculous (laughs) and you had no skill. 
So right. that's where I was. It was pretty embarrassing. Actually. That's funny. I have some great visual images in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I did get a video of my mother-in-law and sent it to my husband, which is hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Look what your mom can do. So anyway, but that was pretty silly. So I don't, I don't know if that really counts as, as this assignment. And there's no pictures or video, hopefully, to prove prove that oh, I did dang that. It. <laughs> so then I started asking people, what can I fail at? My husband said welding, which I thought that's Ooh, a great one. And dangerous. Dangerous, yes. I would definitely wear the proper PPE, but I've never done it before. And I think that's a useful skill to learn that I think is attainable with more practice. So I thought that would be a really good first one. And you can see if you succeeded or fail, because if the metal doesn't bond, it doesn't Mm -hmm. stay connected. Right. So you can tell if you had a good weld. Yeah. Unfortunately, that time constraint is not there. So I didn't have time to actually go to his metal workshop and and learn how to weld. So that's still on the table for another day. Next time. Yes. So I asked my students what I should do. And this is what I I love that. Yes. This is what I think we should ask other teachers if you're out there and you want to try this assignment, ask your students what you should fail at. Because I think one of the really great takeaways for all this is to show your students how you failed. We should be modeling that failure, right? And so if we can come to them, get ideas from them at what we should fail at, then we can present them the results and they can see how we actually do relate to them instead of it just being in our head on our side. Like Mm. they would see, oh, adults do this too. Like you're the expert and you still struggled with something. I asked my students and they came up with lots of ridiculous ideas. I was going to say there's going to be silly ones. (laughs) Yeah. Robbing a bank was a suggestion, you know, building a go-kart, launching myself in an actual rocket. Wow. They have high expectations. I know. Yeah. Maybe I should be flattered that they think I have some skills or something. So one student said to make a playing card tower, which I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like for one, this is similar to some of the things we do in class, right? We do some tower challenges. Mm-hmm. So then I could show them, you know, I do something kind of like what you do and I fail also. Right. They really struggle with that at the beginning of the years when we usually do a lot of these tower challenges, work on teamwork. I did it. I made a playing card tower. For a moment, I had two layers, two levels of playing cards before it collapsed. And I worked at this for an hour. Oh my gosh. Trying to get them to stand. And it was so frustrating because I thought this shouldn't be that hard. I feel like it's not that hard. They make it look so easy. Yes. I, and I didn't watch any videos because I was like, I think that's kind of (laughs) cheating, but yeah, but I'm going to, because I still am determined (laughs) to figure out how to do this, but I that's what I tried and I failed. So I have video and pictures to show my students who had asked me to do this, that I failed at making, making a playing card tower. Wow. That was uh, quite a journey <laughs> in your adventures of failure this week. <laughs> yes. And I feel and- like I've gained a lot of knowledge going through this. So what were your big takeaways, especially on that last one? It seems to be the most related to what our students do when they're building activities. You were basically going through the design process of you kind of had the final result you were going for, but to get there, it it wasn't working the way you thought it would. Right, right. So I think my big takeaway is kind of a big lesson in how to teach failure as well as how I want my students 
to be able to take away from their failure is that I'm talking through this with you and I'm going to talk through it with my students. And how important is it that we have that reflection piece when we go through a challenge to be able to help our students process what they experienced as well as equipping them for the next time that they have a challenge where they aren't sure if they're gonna succeed. They can look back and be like, oh, I remember last time I failed, you know, but I learned all these things from it and it's going to be okay. And I have the support of my teacher who has also experienced this before and my classmates who are on the same page as me. So I think that is my big takeaway is do not skip that reflection. Make mm -hmm. sure your students see that you are modeling the behavior that they should also expect to have from themselves. Right. And showing them that, you know, we also experience failure, but we don't give up because a lot of students, their tower collapses and they're just like, I'm done. I'm, I can't do this. I give up. This is too hard. And showing them that you too were frustrated, but you work through it is really important. That's right. And I think it's also important to analyze what our students' failure modes might be and why they may be shutting down and be able to anticipate that. So I know something that I struggle with that I know a lot of my other students struggle with, I actually had this happen uh, this week in class, is this time-based anxiety because my class periods are so short. I have 45 minutes to do a whole STEM challenge. So a lot of students who work at a slower pace get really stressed out because they know they're not gonna finish by the end of class. So being able to address those beforehand I've started to tell my kids, hey, next class period, we're going to be making chariots. So think about how you could use wheels and axles. How could you make it to roll down the ramp at in this certain amount of time period? So I kind of set them up to be thinking about it before they're bombarded with this challenge and a time constraint mm. all in one class period. And then another thing that my students struggle with that I think is a big deal for adults as well is working in teams. So that's Definitely. another failure mode, right? Mm -hmm. Is getting in a team and you have this one partner who's not agreeing with you or wanting to do something totally different. And that can bring a lot of stress and cause kids to completely shut down. Right. So how do you normally deal with those team issues? Well, that's a hard one. What I found is that the number of students really impacts the team dynamics. Partners seems to work the best because they can share and they can brainstorm together and it's easier to have different roles. And then groups of three, especially at the middle school level when I, where I teach, that's a pretty good number. But beyond that, it can get out of control with different personalities. Someone's bored, someone's not contributing. So that's the first thing I do to kind of help balance the teamwork. And then, like I mentioned, roles. So someone's going to be in charge of the testing someone's going to be the, the leader and making sure everybody stays on task. That really helps. And then talking about how we need to be respectful and constantly modeling those behaviors that I want to see with those students and really talking through what didn't go well this week and how can we improve on it next week? Yeah, those are great tips. Another thing that I've started doing that I know we've talked about in the past is in the brainstorming phase of the engineering design process is doing that part individually. And then also when they come together, then that team can use the brainstorming phases from doing it individually and bring it together and come up mm -hmm. with an idea. I've even in some classes required students to incorporate part of each person's ideas so that mm -hmm. everybody has a say, everybody has to participate, right. and then the kids tend to, to do better that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that. So something else I've learned from this that I'm going to discuss more with my students 
is having a plan of action for when they fail. Because I was thinking through this as I was failing, as I was thinking, I'm going to have to discuss this with Natasha and discuss this with my students. So what is my plan of action so I can look for how I'm failing and then be able to address it? And that's kind of what our kids should be doing in class too, is they should expect to fail Mm -hmm. and expect to be able to learn from it. So we should set them up for that. So I think you need to define a, like a class goal of how you're going to learn and make that like, okay, when we fail, we're not, it's not something to be ashamed of. Our class goal is to learn from failure. Mm. So they have that expectation as a class that it's going to happen and then they don't get surprised by it and stuck and give up because you don't really talk about failure in other classes. When you're solving a math problem, you're not supposed to fail. You're supposed to get the right answer. That's not part of the goal of the class. So that's a really good take on how you could address that in engineering. Yeah, exactly. It's totally new to them. So we need to teach them how to do it, right? And so another thing that I'm going to try to do is define how we start a challenge. And I have this learning journey that's posted up on my wall and talks about where kids should know, like, do they know nothing about the topic that we're about about to discuss? Or have they mastered it? Or where in between? Maybe they know a little bit about it. Maybe they haven't quite mastered it yet, but they are working on it. They need a little bit more practice. So I want to make sure that when we start challenges that we discuss, where are you on this learning journey? And it is okay if you're at the very beginning, you can see that you have some steps to go before you get to where you've mastered it. And so do most of your classmates. So we're all on the same page. Is that something you do as a class? You discuss as a class in general, we feel like this, or the students supposed to individually define where they think they are on this journey? That's a good question. I don't want any of the kids to be embarrassed about where they are. Right. So I think it'll be discussed as a class, but not like pointed out, like go point where you are on this chart, you know, (laughs) because I don't think they'd be honest actually. Right. (laughs) But just to show that, Hey, you've got some more steps to go look at where you are now. We'll talk about it at the end. Now, where are you? Do you see how you grew and Mm -hmm. you grew because you learned some things that possibly came from failing. Right. So that's, that's how I want to do that to embrace this failure. And then I want to make sure that we go over how do we respond when we fail? And I think there needs to be two parts to that. One, I think needs to be verbal. So when we fail, what do we respond with your whole, the whole class, or maybe your group, or maybe just you should be like, Oh, I failed. And that was really frustrating, but what did we learn? And -hmm. then maybe we all pitch in ideas on, oh, well, we learned that maybe next time we need to use stiffer materials or we need a bigger base. So let's talk it through verbally. How do we respond to failure? And then maybe have some action that we do is what I'm thinking. I've done this before where every time something failed during a test, everybody would clap and cheer and then say, what did you learn? So it was like this (laughs) exciting anticipation. Oh, I hope they fail so we can cheer, you know, (laughs) that's funny. So hopefully that will kind of change in their mind how they look at failure as more of a celebration instead of something that's negative, like in other classes. And that reminds me to point out to teachers that they shouldn't be grading these design challenges on whether it succeeds at the end, because that's really going to defeat the purpose here of learning from failure. They should be teaching the process and grading them on the process of that initial idea, going through the testing phase, optimizing their design and learning and not did your catapult knock over the tower. So true. And our students need to know that too, right? 
Exactly. Say, hey, it's not about the final test. That's just to show you where you're supposed to be working towards, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not to get the grade. So yeah, great point. Another thing based on that too, is that some students are worried that they're not going to get to test and maybe they need to finish it at home. And I'd say, that's okay. If you run out of time, either we'll do it in the next class period, or you can take it home and do it. That is okay. And to make sure that if you hopefully are able to test that you let them know that they'll have multiple trials. Like you don't mm-hmm. just test it once and you fail or succeed. Right. You get to go back, redesign and try again. So it's okay if it doesn't work the first time and exactly. let them know up front. Mm-hmm. The competition aspect can be very motivating to students, but it should be a competition with themselves. So when we do the straw rocket challenge, it's how far did your rocket go? And then can you make it go farther? Not who's overall went the farthest, which is really hard to not focus on that because it's exciting when you see those rockets flying but it should be really teaching them, again, optimization of their design. So true. Yeah. And another thing when kids are designing and there's a time constraint, a lot of times I will just stop them before the end of class and be like, it's okay if you're not done, we're going to do a gallery walk. And then I have all of my students get up and walk around all the tables and look at the different designs and compliment things that are working really well. Even if you're not done, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see where your progress is. So some students will be like, oh, that's a great idea to do this. I really like how your tower is like this. And then they might be able to go back to their design and figure out a different way to improve it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important, like you said, to be focused on the process and for kids to be evaluating their own project and look at ways they can improve and also embrace that failure. Exactly. So one other thing I want to add about failure and this kind of ties in with growth mindset. I think they're, they're kind of go hand in hand, but something that I learned this summer, and we may have talked about it a little bit before is about toxic positivity. So that's a concept where we are overly positive and don't match where our students are. And we kind of take over and take away from what they should be processing when they're processing failure. So for example, if a student's thing that they made, maybe a catapult. It does not work at all. It doesn't even launch the ball. Like it's completely collapses when they try to use it. They're obviously Mm -hmm. going to be really frustrated because they worked hard and invested a lot of energy in this. If we just went up to to them and said, Oh, that was a great try. It looks amazing. You know, (laughs) I pitch voice. Yeah. They're going (laughs) to probably be really freaked out, but also (laughs) they're just like going to shut down like no no right. it's not like this is not right. okay like did did you even see are you even paying attention to me like yeah. what just happened so instead instead of having this toxic positivity we should meet them where they are and relate to them be like hey you know especially after this assignment that i just went through like i understand what it's like to fail that is really frustrating and i'm really sorry it didn't work the way that you want to next time what would you do differently not not even better what would you do differently to maybe mm-hmm. make your design So I think that's really important and a great takeaway for this learning how to fail as educators. Yeah, I like that. Are we relating to our students both in modeling it as well as meeting them where they are and helping them process through it? And one last thought is we want our students to experience failure. Sometimes as teachers, we don't want them to go through the anxiety and the stress. We're having ourselves go through that to experience what it's like, but we shouldn't deprive them of that experience. And it seems like a negative experience, but it's going to help them in so many ways in life in general. 
not just succeeding in their subjects at school, but when they're facing something challenging in life, we want them to have that mindset, the growth mindset, the way to persevere. And that's why it's okay for them to experience it in a safe environment. You're there to support them. And when that catapult fails, don't tell them how to fix it. Hey, did you try this? You should do this, or let me help you. Help them with questions and supporting them. And like you said, what would you do differently? And that can really, that's an important lesson that they can take from our classroom. Yes, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway that I would emphasize to teachers is the best way to help your students with failing is give them lots of opportunities to fail. They need to learn how to fail and learn how to fail forward. So I know that we even do some engineering design challenges where we purposefully make them learn from failure. We have our lander challenge, which is basically a piece of cardboard that has a cup on top and a couple ping pong balls. I know you can also use marshmallows. Mm -hmm. And then you have it drop from a certain height and you want those ping pong balls to stay in the cup. So they have to build some way to absorb the impact of when it's falling, or you can also create more drag by making the base maybe wider or something. So anyway, once they succeed in making the balls not pop out of the lander, out of the cup, then we usually sabotage it, right? We say, oh no, you find out (laughs) that these are actually aliens coming to steal our pizza or something like that. And so then they have to go back and think, oh, well, what did I do when I was failing? How can I go back and fail again so that the ping pong balls will now pop out of the cup instead of staying in it? So they're, you're kind of training their brain to remember that failure is important. We learn from it and you need to understand that it's okay. Like that's part of this challenge and part mm-hmm. of this class. So give your students lots of opportunities to fail. Make sure you're challenge, challenging them enough to where failure should come naturally and then help them be able to process it. Well, I'm excited for you to go back to your students and implement some of these strategies. And have you shared with them your failure? Not yet. Okay. Well, we'll have to follow up on this and keep talking about it because I think it's such an important topic. Definitely. Definitely.